welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Everyone, I want to especially thank Luke and, um, oh, I'm terrible. I'm, uh, is that your name? Daniel, right, Daniel? That's correct. And uh, thank you for your service and everyone being a part of this Zoom meeting. Um um, I am rich. I'm a sexaholic. I'm powerless over lust totally and completely. I've acted out and fully capable of acting out by total loss of custody of my eyes in all situations, particularly glancing, romantic and sexual fantasy and intrigue, particularly for an ideal mate or sex partner, masturbation, partic- particularly at night, phone sex, pornographic videos and magazines, making pornographic, non-pornographic media and using women primarily uh, for sex in relationships <clears throat> by the grace of God and the help of others, party dates May, May 12, uh, 91. And, um, just so, just so glad to be here. Um, and the title that I gave was, um, I don't know if everybody saw that was, um, our higher power, our spiritual vaccine. I'm not sure vaccines that <laughs> the best uh, term to give. Um, I thought that was appropriate given what we're all experiencing. Uh, maybe medication would be more of a better term, <laughs> medical term. Uh, vaccine tends to be like one and done, right? Typically, I guess. Uh, but, but the higher power is really not something that's one and done. Uh, just to give you a little bit about my background, I, um, um, my upbringing, and of course, this is not to, I'll kind of set the context of where, where, um, what happened, what's like now. Um, I grew up in a family of eight children, both parents at home, um, here in the Midwest in in the, uh, U S and, um, number six out of eight, it was, um, and this is not to blame my father or to, you know, cast off responsibility for myself, but just to kind of speak about the reality, or at least my experience, my reality growing up was a home of, it was very tense very often. Uh, My father was somebody who misused alcohol. Um, Only later on, I learned that his environment that he grew up in was a very regimented uh, environment. very tense. I guess that's the word tense, lack of humor really wasn't able to be a child around my father. Uh, not somebody I really bonded with. Um, of course I desperately wanted that, uh, but never felt safe enough, uh, with my father. So I don't have any really, uh, warm memories with him. I, I take that back. That's not true. Um, no, no really direct, uh, warm memories. I have some memories of remembering him picking me up and, you know, I fall asleep in the car as a little child, carry me into the house, that sort of thing, but never 
someone I felt approached that, that was approachable. Uh, and I'm mentioning this because this really impacted and, and really influenced how I responded to not only my father, but other people in my relationship with the higher power, with God, whom I choose to call God. And so I think this is important. And so that really impacted me deeply. And I, I continue to discover how deeply that has impacted me as I, as I, as I age. Uh, having no idea at the time, of course, as a child. Um, but I just knew that I felt this fear of him and this unapproachability. I didn't really trust him. And due to some abusive experiences that I had with him as I grew up as a child, that just kind of hardened. Uh, I, I didn't respond well, let's put it that way, to my, to my father. I, I had more of a sensitive nature. And I think all of that, just being a child, not knowing, not having the resources, not having the knowledge of how to deal with that. And uh, I just didn't respond well. And, um, and so that really impacted my ability to, to, uh, to not only have a relationship with him, but, you know, with other people, with other men. And I think with God, definitely with God. By the grace of God, I can say that that's changing today, um, slowly but steadily. But the way I dealt with that in terms of lust, I can remember my lust, my acting out began as early as age four. I can remember, you know, sleeping in bed with my brothers. I mean, we had eight kids, you know, we, two of my brothers, three of us slept in the same bed together. But I can remember waking up early in the morning and just feeling this tension. Of course, at age four, I don't have any comprehension of that, what that's about, what that's connected to, except I felt tension. And I would... I discovered that if I rolled over on my stomach and I start rubbing myself, that it brought a lot of pleasure and eventually the tension would vanish. It was just like this miracle that would happen. And that's a pattern that I continued in my life for many, many years, well into my adult. I just want to say that as you can tell, I'm sitting in my car. <laughs> so if you hear a lot of background noise, just let me know. I'll tell you why I'm sitting in my car a little bit later on in my talk. But if that becomes a problem, let me know. So anyhow, that became a pattern of responding. That's how I responded to, to tension in my life. Um, that became a medication. Uh, you know, I, I, if I fast forward to age 12, 13, I was in the backyard with my brother, my older brother, was about a year and a half older than me and some friends. And I don't know how it all happened, but my brother brought up to everybody else that this, this behavior that I did of masturbating, of course, I didn't know there was masturbation at the time, but, uh, and he didn't use that word, but he brought it up and ridiculed me in front of everybody. And I can remember feeling this shame and this rage. And all I could do at that moment was leave everybody, run in the house, run upstairs in my bedroom, and I did exactly what he had said that I did. I just did it automatically. The tension left me. I went back downstairs, went outside. Nobody said a thing. And I just was able to get back into the group and become part of. It was just a very weird kind of surreal experience. But it just impressed upon me the power of lust, the power 
of acting out and how that gave me relief at that time. It was my, it was definitely my drug, um, my drug of choice. It worked. Um, of, and as I got older, um, my lust became more, really morphed in more into fantasy, a very active fantasy life. Uh, I had a brother who had a stash of pornography, uh, which I discovered. And um, that just created all op opportunities to create lustful fantasies and escape. Uh, so I became someone who not only would fantasize about with lust, I became very good about fantasizing in all sorts of ways. And all of those ways had the end effect of medicating me. It was my medication to withdraw from the real world. And it worked, or at least it seemed to work. It made me feel better, made me feel like in control. But the price that I paid, as you can imagine, was steep in terms of being able to, re uh, to relate to others, to relate to God, to socially adjust to uh, others in my peer group. Um, I really lagged behind emotionally. And of course, I could see that more and more as I got older. Um, and uh, in my young adulthood, I, I was got involved with a woman. Uh, it was lust-based. It was sex-based. Uh, I used her for that primarily. It was a way, again, for me to cope. She was basically the only friend I had. Um, it really was a, a terrible time in terms of loneliness, in terms of, of um, you know, just highlighting my social uh, maladjustment. And she, of course, she also abused alcohol, and it was just a totally dysfunctional situation. But, you know, God can bring good things out of dysfunction, dysfunction, uh, out of pain. And it's from that relationship that I got involved. I was in, I, I became exposed to the 12-step fellowship. I, I, I went to Al-Anon meetings. Of course, she was the problem, not me. Um, but it exposed me to others in the recovery world. And I started to slowly crawl out of my isolation and into the real world. And from there, I got involved with another fellowship. I got, I got exposed to people in AA. And from there, I started to attend SA meetings a few years later. I had to leave that relationship. It was a good decision that I did that, I think, for both of us. But I know for me, it was, it was definitely necessary. And I came into SA in January of 87. And... Um, um, but I was somebody, but I was somebody who, who didn't take to the program and start working the steps with diligence. And I just want to read here from chapter five of AA, this paragraph that begins with, remember that we deal with lust, cunning, baffling, and powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Well, I, I didn't do that. 
I didn't, uh, I didn't ask for his protection care with complete abandon. I really kind of backed away. I had a series of, of slips in those first few years. Um, I had a sponsor, uh, that sponsor slipped. And then for several years, even after getting sober, I didn't have a sponsor. So I wasn't a picture of quality sobriety for you out there who may not have the years of sobriety. Don't be intimidated by that in case you are. That's, that's, don't get stuck on that at all. It's really about quality. Not to, not to mention that the quantity hasn't given me the gift of, uh, of perspective. Absolutely. But, um, um, I didn't work the steps. And so, you know, the quality of my sobriety showed my lack of quality. I didn't have the emotional sobriety. I didn't have the peace and the joy and the serenity and all the gifts that come with that. I didn't have what somebody, another old timer, a much older timer than me had said, you know, I didn't have that essay shine. I wasn't somebody that you could walk into the room at a meeting and say, Oh, that guy, you know, I wasn't, my, my, my program wasn't attractive. <laughs> um, and so work the steps. So working the steps, getting a sponsor, that is the key. That is the key. And particularly steps four through nine, for sure. Um, and so, you know, acting out as an addict, as a sexaholic, I just gave into my feelings. If I felt an uncomfortable feeling, I went with I went with it. If I was lustful, I would act out. If I was felt angry, I would act angry or I would stuff it. It would come out sideways in my relationships with others. Um, if I was afraid, and so much of my behavior was based on fear. Fear of others, lack of confidence in my God-given gifts, um, just all that fed a very poor self-image. Um, I would just go with that or I would withdraw. Uh, my job was to stay away from others and kind of minimize my exposure to others uh, because by doing that, then I could avoid getting hurt, um, you, know, uh, you know, risk pain. So it was really, really a very kind of a sad experience, existence they had. But as I said, you know, coming into the program, being exposed to others, being exposed to the 12 steps, having a sponsor that can walk me through the steps, uh, correct me, and deal with, you know, those times in my relationship with the sponsor where I may feel angry uh, uh, with him, uh, feeling afraid, and taking the risk of sharing those things with him, and working through that fear, and having him stay in the relationship, um, and me staying in the relationship, and walking through that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really giving up that habit of running away from reality in creating a habit of staying connected to others. So those daily phone calls, the daily prayer, um, all of these new habits and being consistent with those things create this new world, this new spiritual experience that 
you know, I can change. I am changing. My wife tells me I am uh, painfully slowly. Uh, and when I go back into my old habits, I can, you know, pull myself out of it. You know, just to be current, um, uh, right before the meeting, uh, the reason I'm sitting in this car is because um, I'm working still. We got my tie on. I was going to have it. I was going to go to an appointment after this meeting. So I was going to go to a park that was near my appointment and have some peace and quiet. And then after that, go to my meeting. Well, uh, my, my, my watch uh, stopped. And so, uh, and I didn't use my cell phone to see my, my time. And so instead of it being uh, an hour to go before the meeting, I had like 15 minutes. So I panicked. That's my old uh, MO, panic, get angry, blame others, blame God. All that came up for me. Uh, I'm in my car figuring out, oh, where am I going to go? Where am I going to get the privacy to do this? All this old overreactive kind of panicky feeling came up. And I wasn't perfect, guys. I actually did emote some of that in the car. But I was able to catch myself and just talk to God, talk to the higher power, calm myself and I, a solution came up and it was drive back to my work place, go in the parking lot, find a remote area and that I'll just have to do. that I'll just have to work a simple solution uh, that any normal person <laughs> would have, would have, uh, would have come up with. Uh, and that's what I did. So that's why I'm in my car. Uh, that's why uh you might hear some noise in the background, uh, but it's a solution and it's working. And so instead of being crazy for several hours or days or longer, I was crazy maybe for about five, 10 minutes. And, um, and I've let it go. And that's who I am. And that's where I'm at. And uh, but thanks be to God, there was a solution. Um, and so... Let me just share with you. My father is gone. He's deceased. He died five years ago. But about five, six years prior to that, I had a breakthrough in terms of relating to my father. And it was connected to relating to the higher power, whom I choose to call God, as my spiritual father, my supernatural father. My earthly father is my natural father my dad and he's flawed like I am and we all are and so he's going to make mistakes he certainly did but I have a supernatural father who's perfect who will never let me down who will never disappoint me who will give me what I need if I just seek him as it says here in the Chapter 5 of AA, our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were sexaholics and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our sexaholism. C, that God could and would if he were sought. So if I make the effort to seek God, that was the problem. Before, I just wouldn't make the effort. Oh, I believed in God, but I really wouldn't seek him out. I just wouldn't, I just didn't develop those daily habits. And that's something 
that I do some days real well, some days so but you know not so great, and other days you know I, I really need to improve. But overall, it's better. And so when I focused on developing that supernatural relationship with God, I found that my relationship with my father became less less uh, uncomfortable. I was able to spend time with my dad more. He didn't change. He would be his typical self, cantankerous, critical, impatient, all these things that I am too. But all those things that I had so much trouble for so much of my life, including my adult life, because I was looking for that approval for him. I still wanted him to accept me, to treat me in a certain way. And the bottom line was, is that I had absolutely no control over that, you know, the obvious. But only after I started really dedicating myself to these daily habits, but with the understanding that I have a supernatural father, that my, my relationship with my father became more bearable. I became more accepting of him. Um, it wasn't perfect by any stretch. Uh, he was just, he was still himself till the day he died. He didn't change. The last week of his life was very stressful. He didn't treat me so well at times. And um, his funeral and his and the wake, the visitation and, and viewing, uh, you know, it was difficult for me. It still, it brought up a lot of stuff still. But I was able to get through that with much more sanity because I could resort to, to God, to, to, to that relationship, which is real. Thank you. And, um, and, and so for me, it's making this relationship with God more personal. I have to talk to God like I'm talking to you now. Get all the, the, my dirty laundry out there. It doesn't make any difference what I'm feeling. As it says here in the white book, as it says in the essay literature, bring all of my, my joys, my sorrows, my angers, my fears, my triumphs, my, 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 my losses, everything. Just bring it out there. And most, a lot of times I forget to do that. I just get caught up in my own stuff. But the more I, I practice that, you know, it gives me real hope because I, I know I'm changing. Not so much because I think I'm changing because other people tell me, especially my wife, um, even though I mess up a lot with her. Um, but it's, it's just, it's, you know, it's just, it just is the way to go. And I'm just so grateful for my sponsor who, who models a loving earthly father figure to me in a way. He's not my father figure, but he's really a friend. But, you know, all this acceptance just reinforces this and to have other people uh, developing that same sort of understanding of God, you know. So, what can I tell you guys? I just uh, it's just an honor and a privilege to be given this opportunity. I hope I made some sense of it all. Um, I'm, hopefully, I can practice what I've just said the rest of this day here. I got half a work day. It's about uh, I don't know twelve thirty or so, or twelve o'clock here in. Uh, in the U.S. and the Midwest, and so there's a lot of day left, uh, a lot of opportunities to grow. Hopefully, God willing. So, with that, I pass. Thank you.
Thank you. Um, I'm Susie Sexaholic, and thank you so much for your share um, this morning, Rich. And I wonder if you would share more about, well, what I heard sounds like you came to a, a great deal of acceptance around your father and the difficulties you had had in that relationship. And I don't know if I heard you use the word forgiveness in there. And I'm just wondering if you would talk about the role that forgiveness played and how you came to that or experienced that in terms of coming to that place of acceptance around your father. Thank you. I'm sorry, your name again. I apologize. Susie, and I don't know if I got your name right either. Is it Rich? Okay, good. Thanks, Rich. Um, Thanks for the question. Well, I think for me, doing my fourth and fifth step was a a key part of that because it put the focus on me and it it helped me to, to own my stuff. And it was amazing how much of my anger was lifted. Now, this has been an ongoing process. This isn't. This has not been a one and done for me because, I, I as I as I'm as I'm in recovery longer, I see with more more clarity the truth of my upbringing and things that I was really deprived of, and so um, that becomes an opportunity to forgive at those points. I usually I'm faced with a decision. I can name, I can blame my dad, get resentful, get bitter again, or you know choose to forgive him, even if it's just with my head. And that you know the heart may follow later, but I choose to forgive him. So it's been an ongoing process. But working the steps really, you know, formally, my fourth and fifth were really key. And then of course doing, you know, continuing to working the steps. So five and then making amends to others, you know, doing steps eight and nine, owning my stuff. Uh, because otherwise I was so focused on blaming my dad and others, you know, but this, so anyhow. Hope that's all helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. Uh, Rachana. Yeah. Hi, everybody. This is Rachna from India. Custoholic and sexaholic. My sobriety date is 25th May this year. I'm sorry I joined late, but I'm happy that I can hear your share. Rick, thank you so much for that. Uh, my question is, I'm very new to SA. SA and SD is the same. So, But still, uh, a few hours ago, I'm in anxiety, uh, thinking about uh, one thing that how is it possible in my life that my uh, old relationships from which I cut off and uh, because uh, uh, SA, um, uh, since in SA, I, I understood that I need to block all my old relations or whatever I lusted for or lusted after. So I did that uh, religiously, but uh, I'm really surprised to know that no one has contacted me via any social media, any any mail, spam, or or from anywhere. How is this possible? I am so surprised to know this. Uh, so is this my higher power will uh, working for me, working through me, 
or essay or my sobriety moving forward one day at a time i'm not able to understand and i have also heard that when there is a silence big silence around in your life i think a big thunderstorm or some cyclone is following so i am uh, happy that everything is going according to higher powers will and uh, i am moving forward in my sobriety one day at a time but how is this possible so i'm i'm a little bit confused about this that is higher power helping me out with that or or what is it like can you focus on this more i would be very happy thank you well probably thank you uh probably a longer conversation would be uh, helpful uh with you to, but i would just say very simply um you know if keep coming back first of all and uh you know as as i read earlier you know, God, that God could and would if he were sought. So if those were relationships that were feeding my addiction, then certainly I, from my experience, higher power is definitely going to support that. And he's going to provide those relationships in the, you know, primarily in the, in the program that's going to help me in that area. And other relationships that I need are going to be those opportunities will be presented to me. So, um, so if those, again, so very simply, if those relationships were poisonous to you in terms of if they fed my, if they fed my addiction, they, uh, then certainly that's, you know, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Maybe a little painful, uncomfortable, uh, scary, but, um, you know, if I really want sobriety, I have to be willing to go to any lengths. And so, that's what you're doing. Thank you. Keep, just stay on the road and more will be revealed to you. Stay close to a sponsor. Keep going to meetings and more will, will be revealed. I know it may be a superficial, maybe not much content to that, but maybe a longer conversation with you or your sponsor would be would be more helpful. Thank you so much, Rick. That really helps. Thank you. I have a sponsor and I'm also working and uh, have through with the step zero right now. So I'm moving forward with you all. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Higher Power. Thank you, Rashana. And thank you for help. Thank you, Higher Power from chat for helping me with the order. I think, Nancy, you may be next. Hi, Nancy Sexaholic. Uh, Rich, thank you so much for sharing. I can relate to so much of it. Um, when I saw your tie, my quick my thought was, ah, he's from AA. He listened to a sponsor, put a tie in when he gives a, a share. <laughs> I loved when you talked about um, the essay shine. I, I listened to my son who's in AA and I'm not give a lead. And afterwards his sponsor was talking about how much he changed. I love that you've been in since sober since 91. And you're still saying your wife sees you change. That gives me such hope. But afterwards, his sponsor was talking how he changed. And I said, yeah, he's got the S.A. shine. And my son looks at me, Mom, that's not where we are. <laughs> um, but you talk, you use the word practice. And um, I call it practice my practices. What are your practices on a daily basis? Thanks. Well, I do have, I, I, I uh, get out of bed. Uh, 
something that I learned in a different avenue called the heroic minute. Uh, not successful with all, all, all always, but you know, don't stay in bed more than a minute. So get out of bed immediately, get on my knees. I have a prayer that I dedicate to God for that day. It could be the third step prayer and the seventh step prayer, but I use something essentially simple, uh, sim similar to that. I dedicate my everything to, to God that day. So let's just say the third step prayer. Um, and then I have prayer time. Uh, now, this has evolved over the years, okay? I mean, there was a time where I wasn't doing any of this, but I was sober. But uh, uh, so I have a series of prayers, uh, practical things on my phone at 12 o'clock, 12 p.m. and 3 p.m. I have a timer that reminds me to take some time, have a quiet time, and I have some prayers that I say during that time. Um, so that in terms of that, in terms of, you know, practicing the 11th step, that's what I do. Make sure at night that I, I um, have some quiet time, kind of examine the day. Where was I wrong? Uh, what did I do good? What did I do right? Um, and um, uh, make sure I make my calls during the day. So certainly every day I make a call to my sponsor. I keep it very simple. Identify who I am. I short share. I mentioned anything that's in my heart that's going on. If I don't have anything, that's it. And, I, and if he picks up, fine. If he doesn't, I leave a message. I don't have any expectation that he's going to call back. Um, I have a hope maybe, but I don't have any expectation. So that in a nutshell is just what I, what I do. Thanks. Uh, Kawi, you had a question. Yeah, thank you, Daniela, and thank you, Rick, for Rich. <laughs> I got a new name, right? Sorry about that. Um, I related a lot to your share, uh, especially the part of your dad, because I also lost my dad this year. And But I'm glad that by the time he was leaving, me and him were in good times. Anyway, my question. Um, essay is my first... 12-step program and the more I'm in it there's so much thing so many things that I'm learning and I end up telling my friends about it but they always say this you can't perfect our flaws so does it mean that in 12-step we perfect our flaws to get rid of all the anger and we are all happy people to get rid of all the emotional disturbance that we don't have any negative emotions what are your, what is your ESH on this? Well, I can't get rid of my, I mean, I, my emotions are part of who I am. Uh, I have the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful. And so I don't, I, if I try to, if I understood you correctly, uh, try to get rid of emotions. Well, for me, I have to bring them to the light of another, the program has taught me, bring them to the light of God and another person, my sponsor. Um, uh, another member in the program, if something's really troubling me. The, the problem before is that I stuffed my feelings I, or I denied it or I expressed it inappropriately. It came out sideways. Uh, you know, the 12 steps, this wonderful fellowship, this program of living helps me to, to, ex, to, to face these feelings, to admit them. I have to be honest with myself. 
before I was dishonest, I, I lied to myself because I was denying it. I was or running away from it. It's like, no, this is what I'm feeling. It's it may be like this morning when I when I discovered that I was, you know, on a different. Uh, I was an hour uh, uh, behind on my watch, and I panicked. I, you know, it was like uh, I got angry, and uh, my old that was my old behavior cropping up. Uh, but I had once I brought it to prayer and God, I was able to face it, let it go, and think more rationally and sanely, and come up with a solution. So. Um, you know, this isn't about living in perfect peace. Uh, but as the program says, if, I, if I'm disturbed, something's wrong with me. Okay, well, that's I need to look at that, but I don't deny it. I help work, I get I work through it, and but I need the help of God and the help of others, uh, to do that, principally a sponsor, but other members, other sober members. So I hope that helps. Helpful, thank you. Thanks. Um, right now on my list, I have Martina will be up next, then Claudia, Robert, Noren, Greg, and Lee T. And if you have fewer than 30 days, uh, go ahead and get in line. But if we don't get to you, hopefully in the post-meeting virtual coffee, we can chat as well. So Martina, you're up. Yeah, thank you very much for your series. I um, I heard you talking about like getting your your relationship to your higher power more personal. And I'd like to hear more about that, getting getting the relationship to your higher power personal. What does it what does it mean explicitly? Thanks. Thanks for the question. Well I just want to say like it says in the white book and in our literature, we have to work those steps because if I, I found from my experience that if I'm if I'm not working the steps particularly you know, step four, looking at my stuff, that my prayer meditation is going to be much more uh, difficult because I got all this stuff that I am not looking at pushing down. So it's really important that, um, you know, it doesn't mean I have to wait to do step four before I start praying. No, I don't mean that at all. But, um, I'm going to find frustration. I found I found frustration in my prayer life, in my meditation, because I wasn't working the steps. And so that's really, really important. And because that'll help it helps me to start developing a new habit of looking at myself, examining myself instead of taking your inventory or somebody else's inventory or the world's inventory or some political leader's inventory which are all very, very easy to do. And I, and I fall into that. So, uh, so that's why, so I would say that, but, you know, just start talking to God, as it says in the white book, just start talking, expressing my feelings, how I'm really feeling. So just getting in the habit of doing that. Thank you. Claudia, did you have a question? Yeah, I had one and Nancy asked it. And now I have a, now I have another one. Hi, Rich. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Thank you so much for your share. I'm grateful to hear it, and I'm grateful that you are not perfect. <laughs> That's really good uh, to know that you are long time term sober, and yeah, you're still in process. And 
uh, recovering from this addiction. I want to ask you, I could not see you on the screen right now. So uh, here you are. <laughs> do you have children? And how do you practice your program in your family? <laughs> I have uh, three stepchildren. They're all grown up out of the house. And um, so I don't, I don't, not dealing with children on a daily basis. Uh, to talk about that experience when they were children uh, would take uh, another uh, several hours. But, uh, but, <laughs> but, 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 but to your point, they, they don't know about my program. Okay. Uh, they don't know about this. I'm open to that. I hope that one day I can share that with them. But I don't, for me right now, that's not, um, that's not what I need to do. Um, but I'm, I'm certainly am open to that and I just put it in God's hands and hopefully one day, you know, I can have that more of a closer relationship with them to do that. Uh, it's a good relationship. I have a, I think good relationship with them, but it just hasn't developed to that point yet. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Robert. Rich. Hello. Uh, by the way, I raised my, I lowered my hand because you answered my question. I'll just say thank you for your talk. I, I certainly know you a lot better. <laughs> and uh, God bless you. Appreciate your service. Thank you for your talk. Thank you. And Nurhan. Yeah, thank you. Um, very grateful to your share, Rich. Um, I have two questions since I'm new to this program. Um, I want to know what does uh, surrender exactly means, like how to put it into action or how to put it into, like in a practical way to do. Um, this is the first question. The second question from your experience. I want to know uh, when you are very tempted to act out um, what um, what you do about that in in that moment where you where you feel um, very tempted to act out? What's the helpful procedures to to take to to not uh, fall into this? Thank you. Thank you for your question. For me, I can remember in my earlier days, but you can still it still helps today for sure when it lust comes up is to pray for the object of my lust, what I want for myself. That's been the key. And the program has taught me that. Again, that's, again, pray for the object of my lust, what I want for Rich K. So if I'm, let's say, fantasizing about some woman or some image from the past comes back up into mind, it's very triggering. I say, God, please help her have peace of mind. Help her to stay sober. Help her to not lust. Help her to have joy in her life. Help her to have a good marriage. You know, whatever. It, it, it just those are things I want for me. And what happens is that I immediately that immediately it always works. First of all, it one hundred percent of the time works. Now, once I stop praying, if it comes back five minutes later, or five seconds later, or five hours later, I just do it again. But if if I'm praying for the object of my lust, what I want for me. It always breaks the lust because it makes, from my experience, it, it gets me in touch with what's really going on with Rich. Why am I looking to medicate myself? Why am I using, why do I want to use lust as my higher power, my 
my divine physician, so to speak. Um, and, and what that does, it just helps me get in touch with what's really going on. And then make a phone call. Make a phone call to my sponsor. Make a phone call to another program person. If I have to physically remove myself from a situation, then by all means, I got to do that. Nobody can do that for me. I've got to exercise my will. I've got to make that habit of turning to God. That's surrendering for me. It's just practicing turning to God in all things. Thank you. Uh, Greg? Yeah, thanks, Rich, for your talk today. Uh, I got all excited when I heard the title. I was thinking we were going to talk about vaccinations, but uh, then I remembered that was an outside matter, so uh, that didn't work. But uh, anyway, uh, when you said that God was perfect, sometimes I don't feel that way. Uh, and, uh, you know, your, your comment about having an, a question was presented about how do you deal with God in a person, having a personal relationship with God. And I know when I was acting out, uh, I didn't have a personal relationship with God and, uh, my shame built a wall between me and God. And now that I do have a personal relationship with God, you know, uh, and I know my step four, looking at myself first, helps me with this, but I still get stuck in the situation of blaming God and actually yelling at God. But for me, that that is healthy sometimes. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you ever get stuck in that, but uh, anyway, I, I get angry with them. Sometimes I even feel alone. But I, I get back to that, and I have conversations with them about that, about how I don't really, you know, I, I feel alone. And then once I get, go through that whole process, I feel much better and, uh, in talking with him and, uh, and everything. So that, I think that's where that question came about, where what's, my pers what's your personal relationship like with God? So, uh, you know, and I, I think that's, for me, that's what God wants for me, is to have that personal relationship and talking with God. So anyway, thanks a lot, Rich. That's, it's really a key concept of this whole program, I believe. So anyway, thanks a lot, Rich. I have nothing to say, but thank you. That was, that was great. Thanks. Uh, Lee T. Hi, my name's Lee, and I'm a real sexaholic. Uh, I really didn't raise my hand. I don't know how that happened, but I do have a comment. I always can talk. Uh, I, uh, I have this uh, real uh, ability uh, to create videos in my head uh, that's not always served me well. But when I heard your talk, I wanted you to know it was terrific. I got a video of your life that was really complete and continuous. And I uh, really saw and felt and related to the incident when you were 12. Uh, those sorts of discovery and reveal things were really hard. And so I just wanted to let you know I saw your life in my head, and I appreciate you sharing it.
Thank you, Lee. Um, let's see. Dana in the chat says, thank you for your share. I had a similar upbringing and corresponding relationship with my father. I appreciated your emphasis on practice. I have a temperament that is high in neurosis and low on industriousness and conscientiousness. So the discipline of practice has been a struggle for me. Your mention of the heroic minute struck me. I take it that is the first minute of the day. A big shaking the head, yes. Yes, yes. Thank you. And one more chat from Hans in New Mexico. Thank you for your honest share, Rich. Knowing I am not alone with consternation and restlessness and that the solutions to have conscious contact makes my day brighter. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.